It's in his name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. All right. Are you glad to be in church today? I am. Man, it's been a great day already. I mean, after the video about God's dogs and all God's doing there and that song, I just thought I might get up here and dismiss you. I mean, like I'm full already. You don't need me. But uh, thankfully, we have God's word. Amen. You don't need me. You can have his word for sure. But if you have a Bible, meet me in the Gospel of John. We, I think, are in our 16th sermon on the Gospel of John. And I want to start with a couple of questions. And I just I want you to just know off the bat that this is a toe stepping on sermon. Are you OK with that? You got to answer. You can't. This is not optional. Are you OK with that? All right, because a lot of times we come in and we we need that word of encouragement, right? Like there are and you might be in that place today and we're going to get there. Don't worry. We're going to wrap there. We're going to put a bow on it there. But to get there, I think for a lot of us who are in the church, we need we need some ruffling of the feathers every so often. Is that fair? So let me ask you a couple of questions. First, the first question When was the last time you helped someone? Like for real, like think about it. When was the last time you went out of your way, you sacrificed your time to help someone? Let me dig in a little farther. Put some little more weight on that toe. When was the last time you judged someone? Like that kind. When was the last time you judged someone? Now some follow up. Are you a Christ follower? Are you a Christ follower? As in, let me clarify, that you are an apprentice to Jesus. In other words, you're following him not just for the show. You're following him because you believe he's actually, what he said, the way the truth, and the life. You see, that sounds great until you get to the daily picking up of your cross to follow him, right? If we are to love one another because he first loved us, then it begs the question, why is it so hard To not judge the people around me. And why does it feel like a chore to help the people around me? Can we be real in church today? Y'all just looking at me. Am I the only one? I don't believe that. No, it's we we get in this life, this culture of work. And it's hard to see the forest through the trees, is it not? We begin to build our little kingdom And protect our little kingdom and resource our little kingdom and do all the things for our little kingdom so that we can sit on the throne of our kingdom. But then we find ourselves not totally fulfilled. And so if you're practicing your faith, then the answers to the first two questions I asked you matter, right? On the most practical level, on the most basic level. Because if we are following Jesus, then those are two things that Jesus says are integral to your life. That if we're going to love one another, and that's actually the way, John 17, that people will know him. We have some work to do. 
right? But I digress. I want to talk to you about something that's a very real phenomenon and one of the reasons that I think we get there. The American Psychological Association has written a definition or written about a very real phenomenon that that can happen in your mind called habituation. I want to show you the definition on the screen. Habituation is a decrease in response to a stimulus after repeated presentations. Habituation involves, listen to this, growing accustomed to a situation or stimulus, thereby diminishing its effectiveness. Habituation is dangerous for followers of Jesus. Are you aware of that? If I would ask another question, which isn't in my notes, it would be like, are you guilty of habituating your life with Jesus? Is there a, is it possible that when you show up at church and it doesn't feel like it used to, it's not actually because anything's a lot different at church, but because it's become a tradition for you as opposed to a relationship that you are actively engaged in, both with the people sitting in the pews near you and with the God who reigns on high. Because the reality is, is the Bible talks a whole lot about a whole lot of incredible things that we're actually supposed to participate in. And I just wonder when we come into this place, could it be that either the world around us is so broken that we've just become accustomed to it. And therefore, we stop caring about the things that Jesus has called us to care about. Like, like on the real, why, why is it that we need a video to show up on Tuesday night and help? Right? And I'm not, I'm not saying that, and Kenny doesn't want me to make you feel guilty, so don't, that's not, but it does beg the question, right? I, I get it. Some of us have stuff going on, yada, yada. I'm not here to make you feel guilty. But it is interesting, right? And we could just go on and on, and I promise I'm not going to make you feel bad the whole time. But I do want to lay that foundation. I do want to set that table because there are some things Jesus actually called us to. And But the reason I bring that up is I, I want you to feel that. I want you to feel that weight. And I want you to wrestle with that struggle. Because I think there's reasons for it. I think there's reasons behind it, right? What is it if you find yourself in that stagnant place? What is it as an apprentice of Jesus that will actually help us step out of that darkness? And that's what it is, right? It's darkness. What is it that you and I need when we find ourselves in that kind of darkness? The obvious answer is, yeah, light, right? Which is God. That's the, we're going to get there. Light, right? We need light. And so today, I want to simply invite you, as Jesus does, to step into the light. To step into the light. Light has always been important in Scripture, hasn't it? I think all the way back to the origin story of the world, the creation account that Scripture gives us in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, we read this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Are you aware that that's controversial today? <laughs> it is. It's extremely controversial and it gets worse. 
Now the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the water. Uh, Picture that darkness was over the earth and the spirit of God was hovering there. Now you're all kinds of creepy in the world we live in. (laughs) God created the heavens and the earth, the spirit of God hovering over the darkness. I believe every word of that is real. I believe that really happened. But look at this. Verse three. What was the answer to the darkness that hovered over everything that there was? Let the words of God enter your soul. Listen to this. And God said. And God said, let there be light. And what happens? This is significant to your faith. What's it say? And there was light. Can you imagine if he said, let there be light and the light didn't come? We don't really think about that because the light came, right? But it matters that the light came because God is who he said he is, right? From the very beginning. And scripture tells us that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So John, when he begins his gospel that we're studying, he writes this about Jesus stepping into the world. And I want you to see the connection that from the beginning to the crooks of history when Jesus would go to the cross, the same thing was happening. Listen to this. In the beginning was the word. That was The light overcoming the darkness in creation. The word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. That's what we just read in Genesis 1. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Verse 4. In him was life. And that life was the what? Light of all mankind. Pause. Let's set aside our, assum- our, our theological assumptions, right? What does it say he was the light of? How much of mankind? All right. All right. All mankind. Look at verse 5. The light shines in the what? Darkness. Good class. But look at this. And the darkness has not... Overcome it. So as we approach our text this morning and we listen to one sentence that Jesus says today before we take communion. I want you to have that background in your mind. From the moment of creation, light overcame darkness. When Jesus stepped onto earth, he was the light of life that would overcome Darkness, you sang that he was greater than death, hell, and the grave. Why? Because he's the light of life. And so why this matters is because you most certainly walked in here with some form of darkness hovering around your life. There's no way you didn't because we live in this world. Right? And Jesus said in this world, you will have what? Trouble. But take heart because what? I have overcome the world. So we come to our text 
And remember, as we approach our text, that Jesus has been at the Feast of Tabernacles. He has performed miracles. And in this Feast of Tabernacles, his relatives, his family basically say, Man, why, don't, why are you hiding these things you're doing? You need to go monetize that. And then last week, Jerome talked about what we have in Christ, right? And then we come to our text in John chapter 8. And I want you to just notice that we're skipping verses 1 to 11 because they weren't really there. As scholarship, one of the things we have is that scholarship comes. Uh, verses 1 through 11 probably happened, but they were added after the fact. And so if they happen, they probably happen somewhere else in the storyline of Jesus. So we're, we're not covering 1 through 11, but if you get a good study Bible, it'll walk you through all that. It's not, we're not hiding anything. It's not creepy. It's a great story, actually. I would love to preach that story. But I want to make sure that we're spending our time in the things that God wanted in his word. And so that's why we're skipping that. But Jesus had preached, remember, last week that he was living water. And anyone who would come to him would never be thirsty again, right? The obvious connection last week was back to the Samaritan woman at the well, right? When he told her, I can give you living water. And she said, let's give me some of that. But she was obviously being sarcastic and he had to walk her through what it looked like to have living water. And so last week, Jesus does that with the crowd this week on the heels of what I'm thinking about with Nicodemus, that some would confess him as Christ in relation to that. And then others would not. They were confused. Nicodemus, at the end of chapter seven, remember John three, John three, 16 and 17, beautiful verses were in conversation with Nicodemus. That same Nicodemus now here at the Feast of Tabernacles sticks up for Jesus a little bit in verse 50 of chapter 7. It says, Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was of their own number, asked, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he has been doing? And they replied, are you from Galilee too? (laughs) Look into it and you will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. And then we have Jesus speak again. It's very interesting. That in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the confusion, in the midst of the darkness, which is ironic because of a few things that we'll talk about here in a second. Jesus comes and he says these words in John chapter 8 verse 12. And I just want want you to hear them. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me. It's an outlandish statement whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life what do they say that's it that's the tweet (laughs) he didn't say anything else i am the light of the world what's pretty awesome about this is jesus was very likely standing in the temple standing in the court of women which is just outside the holy of holies saying, I am the light of the world. Why is that so significant? Because in the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths, whatever your Bible calls it, there was a ritual lighting of four golden candles right outside the Holy of Holies. And on top of four ladders were four golden bowls and floating in these bowls were wicks made from the girdles of the priests. And when they were lit, it's been said that through all of Jerusalem... And all of Jerusalem reflected 
the light that burned in the house of God. Jesus said, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. All these things Jesus talked about were happening like right there. They weren't just metaphorical. They certainly were, but they were literally standing where they had lit the candles in the court of women. And he was telling them, no, 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 I'm the I'm standing here with the candles that you can see from the Sea of Galilee. As you look up the hill and you see these candles burning in the temple up on ladders and you're reminded that there is light in the darkness. But let me tell you something. I'm actually the light of the world. And if you will follow me, you'll never walk in darkness, but you'll have the light of life. So you sit here in a pew in Tampa, Florida, 2000 years later, and he would say the same thing to you. The question is, can you believe it? Can you believe that? It it was just as insane for the people standing there that day to believe it as it is for you 2,000 years later when you can't see it. What a wild thing. Jesus is standing there proclaiming that he is the light that you're looking for. Can I be honest with you? I think most of us are more habituated than we think we are. I think most of us are more habituated to the darkness than we are enamored by the light. Jesus has already told us in his interaction with Nicodemus that people love darkness rather than light because our deeds are evil. Right? What was he suggesting? What he what he said that it's hard to enter the kingdom of God. He said specifically he said it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. You see because when When you don't have a lot of physical needs, it gets very hard to believe that you actually have a need. Hence the reason we serve. The obvious comparison here, just like last week, there was a comparison to the Samaritan woman. There's a comparison here because what I think is happening is that a lot of us are like the blind man at the pool of Bethesda. And Jesus asked the blind man... The ridiculous question with an obvious answer. Do you want to be well? Why would you ask a blind man sitting at the pool of Bethesda if he wanted to be well? (laughs) Why would we, having the light of life, want to sit around and not be a part of what he's doing in the world? It's as insane. Is it not? That we would have the King of Kings, that the same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you. And yet we find it hard to overcome the darkness. Listen, I'm going to submit to you today that the issue is not with Jesus. The issue is with surrender. The issue is not with Jesus. The issue is with us. The bar is high, right? Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow him. And it's actually easy to figure out where we're at, isn't it? When was the last time you helped someone? <laughs> like think needing nothing back. Not like nothing. Not an Instagram post, not a couple likes. Not a thank you. 
When was the last time you judged someone? You looked at them and thought less of them. When was the last time you gossiped about someone? Said something to someone about someone that didn't need to be said? Let's keep going. When's the last time you shared Christ with somebody? Because you have the light of life. Man, it's, we don't even get there because we can't. We, we struggle to just show up for church. And I'm not pointing fingers. I'm talking to me too. But the things that I'm reading in the word would suggest that there's an entirely different life available to those that will really follow it. Question is, do we want to follow it? Because following Jesus isn't just a nice addition to your life. Is it? It's war. Paul said, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against the powers of the darkness of this age. And then he gave us a whole slew of things that we can fight this battle with. Not, not hide behind busyness. But wage war in offense. Listen, the reality is there's plenty of Pharisees in the church today still. And if we're honest, we might be in that category. Now, all of that to say, Jesus stepped into that moment 2,000 years ago. And he'll step right back into it today for those of us that might be in that category of maybe loving our darkness a little more than we love the light. Maybe not totally seeing why we do what we do, maybe doing all the things, maybe struggling to get involved, maybe do whatever the case is, not reading your Bible, not praying, not all the things. He would step right into that moment and say in the middle of your mess, he would say, I am the light of life. Anyone who would follow me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You see, the beauty that sticks out of that darkness of not following Jesus when you know you should (laughs) is that the same God who answered Solomon when Solomon finished building the temple and none of God's people wanted to go worship at the temple. The same God that answered Solomon and said, if my people will humble themselves and pray. Right? I will come and I will meet with them and they will be my people and I will be their God. That same God would say to us, if you will humble yourselves and pray and seek my face, he'll still come. He'll still come. We're invited to step into the light. And this is not just for people who are not following Jesus, by the way. This is for those of us that are followers of Jesus. Don't believe for a second that every single one of us, as we come to the communion table today, doesn't have a sin to confess. There's no way. It's not possible. That's only Jesus. (laughs) We do. I do. And we can go on from there, but I, I, I want to invite you on behalf of the Holy Spirit to step into the light. If you've never followed Jesus or if you followed Jesus for 50 years, but you've never stepped into the light. Come on. Today's the day. Right. 
We, we don't need to waste time on anything else because God has graciously given us himself. Jesus is the light and all who follow him will never walk in darkness. So we come to the communion table to step into the light. To step into the light, to confess sin, to have gratitude, to rest. So that's the counterintuitive nature is that by stepping into the light and being a follower of him, you actually find rest. You actually find an anchor for your soul. You actually find what you're looking for. You actually find the ability to stop judging people, to start loving people, to start working with people, to start being with people, to start doing all the things that God calls you to do. It doesn't stem out of willpower. It stems out of being in the light. Because that's what it says. It says he's the light of life. It's action. The light of life. And so I want to invite you to do that. I want to invite you to consider that. Kevin and Jerome are going to come up front and they're going to start passing out the communion elements. I'm going to actually ask you to stand in a minute, not yet, but in a minute to actually come and receive it. Like they're going to pick it up out of the basket and hand it to you. Why? Because Jesus came to earth and gave his life for you. And all you're doing in church today is receiving that. You didn't do anything for it, but he does invite you to participate. He does invite you to what? Step into the light and follow. So we're going to participate with our body in the same way that we participate in our mind. We're going to stand and we're going to come and we're going to receive those elements. Before we do, though, and we do this every time we take communion because I think it's so important for us to be reminded is to go to first Corinthians chapter 10 and hear the reasons why we do that. Paul tells his friends in Corinth, he says, flee from idolatry. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks. Listen to this, a participation in the blood of Christ. And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share one loaf. Jesus, right? We come and receive these elements because there's more going on here than wafer and wine. It's the place that Jesus chooses to meet us. All those things you sing about are a reality because of this act. That God is actually present with us. That you actually participate with him in his body and blood. In a spiritual and supernatural way. It's the supernatural way to meet with God. It's just a natural way. There's still bread and there's still wine. But it's a natural way into the supernatural. And I want to invite you to step into the light today. One more encouragement for you as you think about that. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty seven says, Whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. This is why I talk so much about laying that table of where you're at and what should what needs to be confessed. 
Because to step into the light is to step out of the what? The darkness. How do you do that? Confession. Confession and forgiveness. The beauty is that John tells us in 1 John, it says if we confess our sin, he is what? Faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's how you step out of the darkness. And Jesus invites you into the light. And so as you come forward, I would just encourage you to pray. To just talk to the Lord as you're coming, as you're going back, as you sit there and wait in the silence to take this moment. This might be the only silence you get all week. (laughs) I invite you to pray. Take this moment of solitude to commune with your Lord. And then when everybody's back and has had a moment, we'll take the elements together. So if you guys want to stand up front here, I'll invite everybody to stand And if you come out the center aisle here and come forward, then you can just cycle back out the sides back to your seat. But come on, go ahead and come forward. I'm going to get one too. As you're coming with your, to receive your elements, if you're new to our community, I'll tell you we practice what is called close communion, not closed, not open, but close. What we mean by that is if you are a confessing follower of Jesus, if you are an apprentice to Jesus, you are welcome to eat at our table. The reason we don't practice open is that if you're not confessing Jesus, we believe that you need that in your life, that we believe there's only one way to the Father, and it's through Jesus. And so if you're following Jesus today, we want to invite you to partake with us. If you're not following Jesus today, if that's not you, but you'd like to, the Bible just simply says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead, you will be saved. And then we want you to partake. Because it's that simple to step into the light. So I'm going to give you about 30 seconds. I'm giving myself 30 seconds to go before the Lord. And then I'll just read the scriptures over us as we 